The Penguins blew another one to the Flyers on Monday night. And for today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap that loss, plus get into whether a major shakeup is needed for this team. You're Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Center for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO Ernstall Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Down the Game Time app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. So, Penguins lose again to the Flyers on Monday night, dropping their second overtime loss in three nights to the Flyers. They get a point, but they're not able to get that extra point. And it's funny, I didn't think I would be saying this after this game, after what we saw on Saturday, but I'm honestly more annoyed after what we saw on Monday compared to Saturday. This loss was, I think, more embarrassing, more pathetic, more of a joke, more whatever you want to call it. Honestly, they were bad at five on five and they were especially bad on the power play. And that's what we're going to start this show once again for the Tuesday edition. The power play, every time I feel like this unit can't get worse, well, it surprises me. It was way worse in this game compared to Saturday and compared to, I think, any other game this season. The Flyers had more scoring chances shorthanded than the Penguins did on the main advantage. The Penguins could not gain the zone. And even when they were trying to they were dumping the puck to the opposite corner of the zone and every time they did that the flyers are like okay thank you we have a head start and we're just going to clear the puck the penguins had no puck support when they were dumping the puck there and it was just easy pickings for the flyers and on the off chance that there was some movement in the offensive zone the penguins are just passing the puck around not shooting not getting to the front of the net not getting to the high danger areas as we've been talking about this is a completely broken unit i know i have said that 500 times and it's another game man where the penguins pissed away a point because their power play continues to stink i still don't know how todd reardon has a job right now and frankly he should not have a job for wednesday's game down in florida he just can't you have to make a major change with this at some point outside of just the personnel. He's got to be the one to go at least. But I know you've been wanting to talk about the power play plot, so I'm going to hand this over to you. But what an utter embarrassment from that unit once again, a unit that continues to lose the Penguins games. And I know they were bad overall in this game, but they had ample opportunity after opportunity to either extend their lead or take the lead after the Flyers tied the game, but they couldn't do it once again. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if I would go as far as you to say that um, this one was more embarrassing. I actually liked the Penguins' effort in this one because they forced a team that plays low-event hockey to actually play some up-tempo hockey. So I got to give the Penguins credit there because if you look back at Saturday's game, the first 30-ish minutes of that game were genuinely difficult to watch because it was that boring. That's true. Meanwhile... Last night, they actually, you know, played something that loosely resembled hockey. So uh, here's the thing. 
I want to put in perspective how bad this power play has been. And the eye test is there. You have seen it. We have all seen it. It's genuinely horrible. Uh, you know, last night, you said it last night, they gave up more shots than they got on the power play. So that's a damning indictment enough. But let's go through some stats here, right? And, and these are some analytics. So, you know, you can tell me to watch the game all you want. But right now, according to Natural Stat Trick, the Penguins are the eighth best team in shot attempts at 5v5. They are 10th in expected goals percentage at 5v5, and they have the second most high danger chances at 5v5. So this is a team that ranks in the top 10 of all of, of all the major even strength statistics, and they're still a 500 team. That tells me that this is a power play problem because you also look at the penalty kill. It's eighth in the NHL. Yeah. And... It's a shade over, uh, I think, 84%, which is pretty good. I mean, it, we have to take into account, though, the Penguins, if you take away the major penalties they've had assessed this year, they only have about 160 penalty minutes, which is at the very low end of the NHL. But their penalty kill is getting it done. Their goaltending is getting it done. Because according to Money Puck, Tristan Jari is the 13th best goalie in the NHL at all situations that goals save above expected. And Alex Nadelkovic, as a backup, is 22nd. So for a guy who's only played a couple of games, being 22nd in that stat is pretty damn good. And Jari being in the top half is also pretty damn good considering the offense you're supposed to have. Lastly, but not leastly, even strength points in the National Hockey League by player right now. Jake Gensel is first. Sidney Crosby is second. And Brian Rust is tied for fifth. So once again, this is a power play problem. It is their one and only glaring issue. Do they have some other micro issues here and there? Is their defensive structure not great? Is their breakout getting a little bit worse? Yes. Are they doing the most on the forecheck? Probably not. But when you have people who are in the top half, if not the top of the top in the National Hockey League at even strength or all situations, and you're still a 500 team, that leaves one thing, and it's your power play. And it has been an active liability to this team for the last month. I want them to start. I wish they could at least start declining power play opportunities because every time they get one, it doesn't work out. And obviously I know you can't do that. Right. But for the power play, I guess one other change I would decide to do after what we saw last night, just run the Gensel Crosby rust line out there put two defensemen out there, Pat, and just see what happens. And I know that kind of goes against, you know, my thinking of, oh, splitting up Crosby and Malkin on the power play, just because I don't really, I've just never really liked that. And we saw what happened earlier this season, excuse me, wasn't that good. But with how that line continues to cook, put that line out there, put one of the defensive pairings out there, whether it's, I don't know, Pedersen, Carlson, whether it's Latang and whoever else you want to put out there and see what that does, honestly, because at least that line at five on five, has cooked all season, see what they can do on the power play in a five-on-four situation. I guarantee they can generate more expected goals, more high-danger chances than the entire first unit has combined this season. I, that's honestly one of the, if not the last thing I would try and then it, before I guess you would fire someone. But honestly, I'm still at the point where I would fire someone. So I'm not trying to sound like a hypocrite here. I would fire Tar Reardon before this game on Wednesday. But if they don't, 
that's the last thing I would try before 100% Mike Sullivan would have to be forced, I think, to make a change. And unlike the Penguins power play, I'm going to set you up for something here. I'm on board with just rolling lines on the power play at this point because a power play unit just not is just not working. So no. just keep playing your game. And with as good as that top line has been and with as good as the pairing of Carlson Pedersen has been, why not give that a try? But it also, yeah, maybe you don't want to split up Crosby and Malkin, but guess what? Underrated thing that's happened the last few weeks, Malkin has stunk. I like it. I love Evgeny Malkin. Love him. I have been his defender in this town for years because we have been we have been trying to trade him since about 2011 and I have constantly said and stolen the line from Jesse Marshall of if you trade Evgeny Malkin you no longer have Evgeny Malkin but underrated point for the last couple of weeks is Malkin has been bad like maybe not bad but bordering on it so like taking him off the power play is I don't think it's going to really do that make that much of a difference? I don't think so either. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I tweeted this before we started recording today. I know everyone is really upset by the effort that Sidney Crosby gave in overtime last night. And I will say this. It was bad. It looked like he was just out there for a glide, out there for just a regular skate. Honestly, it just looked like a morning skate out there for him. Just, you know, I'm going to go out there for 10 minutes, not really do anything. He was out of the play, basically the entire overtime period, made a really bad turnover that could have ended the game before Sean Couturier did with about a minute left. He made that play behind the net. Just I don't know what he was doing there. They called timeout to set up a face-off play. He loses the face-off, and then he's so slow getting back. I, I don't know what he was doing there. It looked like his controller disconnected that entire overtime period. But Evgeny Malkin was brutal in that game. You remember that three-on-one sequence they had during a very critical moment in this one. Malkin doesn't even get a shot off and a whole bunch of other times in this game, he was handling the puck like a grenade. Wasn't making the right read with it. His skating wasn't there. And overall he played a really poor game and he had a couple good games before these last two against the Flyers. But before that he had been into a rut lately. He's that rut has returned and it just hasn't been good enough from number 71 and it needs to change if this team wants to, I don't know, go on a run and make the playoffs this season. His game is not there right now, and it's got to change. I just haven't seen enough talk about that from this game on Monday night. And I get it because Crosby was really bad, but Gino was also horrendous. And I should stress, Crosby was really bad in the overtime, not overall. The first three periods, I thought he was tremendous. He was their best player. Overtime, he was bad. But Malkin, I thought overall in this game, he was flat out awful. Yeah, I think the only reason Sid probably lazed around in overtime was he was gassed because he tried to pull that team to a victory Might have been. for three straight periods. But yeah, I mean, if uh, Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith started off the season on fire, they're now cryogenically frozen. They're just, yeah. they're, they are completely cold. And you can't have that, not with this team, the, the, because we talked about it on the show. While the depth has, moderately improved the production has not and this is the you know nightmare scenario where you only have one line that's producing while your other three are stuck in the mud and spinning their tires and with smith and malkin going cold and the bottom six still being what it is this is a recipe for disaster at this point it is i agree with you and going off a point you made earlier about you know the team is right around the 500 mark, despite all those stats you put out there. I'll throw another one at you. If you go to 
stats news. The Penguins have a 918 save percentage, all situation save percentage between their goalies this year. That is top five in the league. What happens, Pat, if that goes down? Serious question. What happens if that goes down? Because Alex Ndelkovich and Tristan Jari have both been really good outside of a few starts from Jari this year. Nadelkovich has been awesome, and then Jari has been also very good. I felt awful for Nadelkovich in this game because he was keeping the Penguins in it all throughout, made some dazzling saves in the regulation, in the overtime. He did everything possible to get you this win, and you still couldn't get it because your power play can't score, and then they couldn't do anything else at 5-on-5. They are continuing to get rock-solid and honestly almost elite-level goaltending this year, and they still have this record. It's maddening to me, man. It's maddening. Yeah, the last month, Jari put his bad start behind him. He absolutely did. Jari is now, again, he is making himself look like the $5 million goaltender that we've talked about because mm-hmm. he's looked really good. Add in the fact that you have a very capable and if not fringe starter in Alex Nadelkovich, you can keep Tristan Jari mostly fresh. But at this point, what does it matter? Because they're on the outside looking in uh, for the playoffs. And I don't know if they're going to miss because, you know, a month ago we were talking about how they're probably going to breeze their way back in. But right now it's not looking, it's not looking good. No, it's not. And, and sure you're getting a couple loser points, but you need to bank wins at this point, my friends, but that'll do it for this first segment coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to go into whether or not it's time for a major shakeup for the team, whether that's a trade or whether that's a coaching change. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools that Indeed instant match, assessments, and virtual interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed knows when you're going your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. All you have to do is visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. One more time, Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So I also tweeted this right after the game last night. I feel like, man, it's time for a change. You have to do something to shake this team up or at least wake them up for the rest of the season, whether that's a big trade or whether that's a coaching change. I've been saying for the last week, week and a half, it's time to fire Tar Reardon. I would do it before Wednesday, but I will also put this out there, man. If Mike Sullivan is not willing to make the needed adjustments for this team, whether it's five on five or also helping out on the power play, I honestly think, and this might be a hot take to some people, I honestly think you might have to show him the door as well. And I hate saying that because I have been a very vocal Mike Sullivan defender throughout his tenure here. He's the best head coach in franchise history. I think he's a top five head coach in the league. But when you're not getting it done and when it's gone a little stale, I think it could be time for a change. 
we might be there right now if he doesn't make the necessary adjustments to his system. And we saw it early on in the season, Pat. But right now, he's not doing his job well enough. And I think it's also starting to cost the team more points in the standings. But you can't keep running out the same product game after game after game and hoping that it's going to change. You need to do something to shake this thing up, in my opinion. So I want to start here. Um, I know everybody says it is a joke, mostly. I know there's some people who think it's legit, but I know most people think it's a joke, but the whole, oh, they fired their coach twice and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah, it's on the surface, that's what happened, but let's let's actually look into it. You know, 2009, they completely quit on Michelle Terry and his oh, time was, his time was done. He, he was needed to teach a young team that didn't have much discipline, how to play somewhat of a two way game. And he did that to a very, very successful degree. They quit on but, Mike Johnson too. Well, they quit on Mike Johnson, Mike Johnston, but then in 2016 or 2015, uh, Mike Johnston never should have been hired in the first place. They tried to hire a guy to turn this into the 90s Devils while the roster was built as the 2010 Penguins. So, listen, I'm not ready to get rid of Mike Sullivan yet because what I said in the last segment, all other situations, this is a good hockey team, a, a bordering on a very good to elite hockey team. It's just the fact that the power play is terrible. And, again, I know I said this yesterday, Todd Reardon might not be, it's not like an offensive coordinator in football where it's his only focus. He's focusing on the defense as well. But at this point, you have to send a message to this roster. And by all accounts, this is a this is a coaching staff that the players very much respect, very much like playing for. So if you can if you dump Todd Reardon, that sends the message to this this roster that you guys cost a man his job. And because as much as it is coaching, there's still a lot to be said on the players because it is a lackadaisical power play. They do not have any urgency. They don't have a whole ton of heart. The work ethic's not there. They're doing the same couple of things and no coach in his right mind is going to teach that. But eventually you have to send a message and you're not going to be able to trade or get rid of five to seven players overnight. So eventually you're going to have to send a message and that message has to be getting rid of Todd Reardon. And as for the Sullivan stuff, I'm not there yet. Uh, you know, again, I don't think he's untouchable. I don't think he's won a job for life, but I don't think there's many options out there better than him were you to drop him. And I, I don't see this team having quit on Mike Sullivan yet. I think their power play is just that bad that you got to get rid of the guy in charge of the power play. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I also don't think they have quit on Mike Sullivan. I haven't seen that level of play yet that we saw under Michelle Terry that you talked about and under Mike Johnson as well. You could tell after that loss, I believe it was in December of 2015, it was that shootout loss, if I recall correctly, that it was okay. a win. Oh, 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 that's right. It was a win in the shootout. But 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 the lead up to that win, right. they, they were playing like they just wanted to get through the season. There was no urgency to win there was no competitive fire they were yeah. playing like yeah okay we got another game done all right i'll see you guys at the bar afterwards that was fun mm -hmm. it's, it's funny i actually forgot that they won that game and then yeah they won a shootout uh, against la and then fired right. them. 
I, I, I thought I remember it was a loss, but my, my memory must be ridiculous at this point. But nevertheless, like I, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, I don't know, man. Like you gotta do something. It feels like to shake things up. And you know, again, we've already discussed Reardon. If it's not that, you gotta make a trade. I would love to be a fly on the wall if Jim Rutherford was still the GM here, because he probably would have crushed the team by now. I think he would have made at least one, if not two major trades to take this thing up. I got to think Kyle Dubas is getting close to doing this, Pat. And I know it's easier said than done with their cap situation with how you don't see a lot of movement at this time in the season because teams are still trying to figure out how good or how bad they are. But I do think we're at a point now where Dubas needs to start really scouring the market to see if he can maybe make a trade that will really shake this team up, get the course some help that they need if you're not going to fire one of the people behind the bench. Because let's face it, the core deserves better than this. And I know I'm saying that even though the power play has been awful to start the year, they deserve all of that blame. But at five on five for at least a good chunk of this season, the core deserves better than this because the depth scoring, I mean, at least a little bit lately, it's dried up. I mean, Redeem Zahorna provided a little bit of a spark. He hasn't been doing much. I know they have injuries right now. You have Alex Nylander playing. Jansen Harkins is no good. Matt Nieto's hurt. Noah Charlie's that banged up. I get that. But even before I think they got banged up, they still weren't at the level that I think some of us expect them to be this year. So I do think Kyle should be getting to the point, if he's not there already, where he's looking at getting some help for this lineup to try and give this team some oomph for the rest of the season. It's either that man or you got to make a change in some capacity behind the bench. Because again, you can't keep putting out this product with little to no change on an every game basis. Something has to give in this situation. The team is too good. I will die on this hill. The semblance of a good team continues to be there, but this team is too good to have this poor of a record at this point with all those numbers that you put out there, with the goal team numbers that I put out there. It's too good to have this record. And I think Kyle needs to realize that and give the team some help or at least send a message that this start is not okay and I'm going to do something about it. Agreed. The The problem here is I think the, the answer is Todd Reardon because if you look at cap friendly right now, a trade is going to be really, really difficult yeah, I because know, yeah. there's all of seven teams that have more than $3 million in current cap space. So making any kind of a trade right now is going to be next to impossible because to get anything, you're going to have to move something of value and you're going to have to take probably too. Yeah. And you're going to have to take something of value back. And of the teams that would fit that bill, they are teams that are currently in a race to make the playoffs. So they're not looking to dump anybody. And then you look at the teams that have some cap space. I mean, you already fleeced San Jose once this year. They're probably not trading with you again, nor do they really have anything that you would want. Arizona, they look pretty good, regardless of what you think of them. They look, they're look they they're right in there. Same thing with Detroit. They just got Patrick Kane. Columbus is a divisional rival. They're not trading you anything, regardless, just because they don't like you. Nashville, eh, there isn't really much there, and they're in a playoff race. Anaheim, eh. Buffalo, they're trying to contend, so there isn't much they're probably going to want to send you of value. And then Chicago, same deal. They're bottoming out because they have Connor Bedard, and there's not a whole lot on their roster anymore that you would probably want. And the one thing you would want, they're not going to want to get rid of, which is uh, Taylor Hall, even though he's hurt, because they want him there for Connor Bedard. So 
a trade right now is going to have to be really creative and really, uh, it's going to be really difficult to do. Lastly, the reason I think it's got to be Todd Reardon here is this. He was hired, rehired, because remember, this is his second tour of duty with the Penguins. He was rehired in September 2020. So let's go through the 2021 COVID-shortened season in the last two years. COVID-shortened season, his first full year, his first year back being the power play guy, which is what I'm going to assume he was, they were fourth in that shortened season. Fourth in the league, 23%. Pretty solid. 21-22, 19th, 20, 20.1%. 22-23, 14th, 21.7%. So it's hovered around the 20% mark, which is about this team's average, even though it's not doing great right now. It's 10%. The other thing is most good power plays in the top five are 25% and above. Yeah. That's what you have to get to do. And given that there is this much talent on this unit, on this roster, 25% should be the expectation. They should be scoring one out of every four opportunities they get, but for whatever reason, coaching will, they just aren't doing it. And considering that, the salary cap situation in the National Hockey League is this tight, and there's really not going to be many moves to be made right now with, with both conferences being an absolute logjam going into the playoffs. It leads to one answer, and it has to be making a change at assistant coach and getting rid of Todd Reardon. Has Todd Reardon approached the Matt Canada territory here for the Steelers and the Penguins? Because I think we're almost there, if not already there with this. I think, for the, I think for the fan base he has, because yeah. uh, here's the thing. I will say this. I said it yesterday. He's not just the power play coach. He's also the defensive coach. And say what you will about this team. It's a solid defensive team. So he's doing a pretty good job. Because if you remember before the season, there was the Wyshynski article that everybody had a meltdown about where they thought Sullivan and and Reardon were going to turn Eric Carlson into a stay-at-home defenseman. Well, they weren't going to do that because they never do that. But also, he's become one of the better defensive defensemen in the league this year under this coaching staff. So uh, for the fan base, yes, he's become a Matt Canada style uh, uh, villain, but for his actual abilities, he's not a bad coach. It's just one of the units he's in charge of is looking like it could become historically bad. Right. And I, I will push back on you j- just a little bit when it comes to Tarir to being a, a good defensive coach. Cause I, I think part of that is true. But then when you look at, the Penguins being ranked 30th in odd man rushes against per game with 5.54. Megan Chaika put that out there on on Tuesday morning. Shout out to her. She's a great Twitter follow, by the way. That kind of gives me pause because you're third last in the league in odd man rushes against per game. That's not good enough. That's unacceptable, to be honest. A lot of that is, I think, uh, offensive zone play on the four check and the forwards. Some of it, yes, is on bad pinches by the defense. I'm not right. going to sit here and pretend like it's not. But again, like uh, I, the guy had, I hate rooting for a guy to lose his job. I really do because I have said this on the radio. I've said it in columns. I've said it here. It's not EA Sports NHL. It's not a name that just disappears off the screen. It's a person with a family and a job and all of that. But I mean, to quote Mike Tomlin, it is a results-based business, and the results are not there. And, you know, that's what we saw with Matt Canada with the Steelers. And, you know, maybe we'll see the same thing here with the Penguins. I would do it today if I were them, but I'm not sure what Mike Sullivan and Kyle Dubas are thinking when it comes to that. But that'll do it for the second segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to take a quick peek at the week ahead for the Penguins. They have a couple more road games, so we're going to do that. But before 
we get to that. We got to tell you all about Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, usually receipt, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can also buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Down the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Dam. So at least the Penguins are going to get some nice weather to end the week here. They go out down to Tampa Bay to take on the Lightning for the second time in about a week. And then they'll go to Sunrise to take on the Florida Panthers, a Panthers team that is red hot to start this year. They are playing really good hockey. The Lightning, though, they bounce back after a couple of brutal losses to the Penguins and the Stars. They beat the Stars on Monday night. This is a Lightning team that's lost five in a row now. To the Penguins, the Penguins have had their number over the last couple of years. It's funny. I'm not going to make the same mistake if the Penguins win this game that I did last week where I said, you know, could this be the game that really kickstarts things for them this season? Because obviously what we see in the last two games. But this is a matchup that the Penguins have done really well historically. Again, at least the past two, three years. Still pretty winnable game with how the Penguins play against them. But the Panthers, man, that team is good. 14-8-2 and and to start the year. Top three in the Atlantic. They're getting good goaltending. They got their top two defensemen back after they were out to start the year. Matthew Kachuk is incredible. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. This is not going to be an easy week for the Penguins. Even though Tampa Bay is a bit middling right now, they're also kind of in the same situation the Penguins are. They still have quite a bit of talent. And then for the Panthers, man, they're, they're deep. They play good defense. And they're getting solid goaltending this year. These two games are going to be, again, pretty tough for the Penguins. Yeah, it, it it's it's the Florida trip is always tough, no yeah. matter which way you cut it, because these two teams are good, are very good. And on Friday, listen, got to win it for Patrick Hornquist. Absolutely got to win it for oh, Patrick for sure. Hornquist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's going to be an emotional night. And here's the thing, though, that I, I'll kind of respond back to you about the turning the season around win. It should have been against Tampa because if you remember that game they stunk in the first period absolutely Mm -hmm. stunk no showed slept through it however you want to describe it and then they roared back and beat the crap out of a really good lightning team yes and it should have been a launching point which tells us there is something wrong with this team but again they didn't get a full disaster out of the Phillies back to back or uh, home at home you you get two points out of it you would have liked you would have liked four and no divisional points but there are things to build on. You know you can beat Tampa. You have continued to do it for the last few years. And they're traditionally pretty solid in Florida. So these are two games you need to win. And because then next week you get a little bit of a break. You get the Arizona Coyotes, who while they're surging, surging, still are very young, not not that great yet. Then Montreal, who's one of the worst teams in the league. And then Toronto that next weekend. So again. There are a lot of opportunities for this team to get back on track, and it has to start tomorrow night in Tampa. 
Right. I agree with you. I mean, we've been saying this for the last couple of weeks now. It's past time for them to start going on a run. You know, we're into December now. You got to really start stringing together some decently long winning streaks, if not a big one, I think at this point, because if you continue to do the same thing that you've been doing, win, loss, win, loss, or win, win, loss, loss, you're not going to get anywhere in the standing. Sooner or later, you're going to have to start stringing a streak together, and hopefully it starts on Wednesday against a team that you've played well against. I know I've said that probably five times in the last two minutes, but I really do mean it, people. But that's how I see it as well. Yeah, it, the good news for the Penguins is that the Metro Division... It's so tight, man. Well, and what I was going to say was, like, we're you're right, is that they need to start stringing wins together because every team in the Metro right now is doing the win-loss, 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 win-loss. You look up and down... Uh, everybody's record right now, the, outside of the Rangers, who are eight to eight and two in their last ten, Carolina six three and one, Philly six three and one, Cap six four and zero, Islanders five two and three, New Jersey four and six, Columbus four and six, Penguins three four three. Like everybody's doing this win loss win loss. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a way to get three four five wins stringed together, all of a sudden. You're going to be right up there in the standings with Carolina and New York. And it's this is a very good opportunity over the next week for the Penguins to do that. You took the words right out of my mouth because I was about to say the opportunity is there, my friends. It's right in front of the Penguins. They just have to take advantage of this and somehow, some way, get the power play going, continue to get the strong goaltending. Keep playing decently well at five on five. Maybe get some more depth scoring because that's dried up, I think, a little bit as of late. Just get a long streak going so they can get back into this. But that would do it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this episode. And I just want to say one thing, Pat. I did look this up while you were talking. The Penguins did lose that game to the Kings. I knew I wasn't hallucinating when I remembered that. So just wanted to put that out there to all I think, listeners. I, I, think it's, bad memory, people. I think it's mainly because I was surprised they finally did it. Like it felt like they should have done it a week or so before and we weren't expecting it that day. So maybe that's me more remembering I was surprised by the firing than the result of it. So I don't know. Either way, I'll own that one. I screwed that up. Pat took the L on that one, my friends. I'm just glad that I remember that because I'm like, I feel like I I know they fired him after that shootout loss because I remember watching the game in my mom's basement. I was a senior in high school at the time. And then I went upstairs. I'm like, okay, something's going to have to change after this one because they look like they quit. And sure enough, the next day or two, they fired Mike Johnson and Mike Sullivan was promoted. So want to put that out there. But again, thank you all so much for listening to Slosh, watching this episode. Pat and I will be back with another show for you all on Wednesday to preview the game against the Lightning. We'll then recap that game on Thursday, get you all set for Friday's game against the Panthers, and of course, them honoring Patrick Hornquist. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you all on Wednesday.